peace be upon you. So needless to say, when I got into submission and started studying the Quran, uh, one of the things I uh, abstained from was celebrating a Christmas. And there's two predominant reasons for this. Uh, the first one is God tells us repeatedly in the Quran not to make distinction among God's messengers. Uh, and to celebrate the birth of one, uh, be it Jesus, at the exclusion of all others, is making a distinction. Uh, literally, the word Christmas means uh, Christ, which is, means Messiah, and Mass means birth. It's the birth of Jesus. And in, uh, for example, in chapter 2, verse 136, it says, Say, we believe in God and what was sent down to us and what was sent down to Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, and the patriarchs, and what was given to Moses and Jesus and all the prophets from their Lord. We make no distinction among any of them. To him alone we are submitters. And I believe about four times in the Quran, it specifically tells us not to make any distinction among God's messengers. So if we were to celebrate one uh, at the expense of all the others, we'd be making a distinction. And in addition, we know that Christmas, it actually is a pagan uh, holiday. Um, all the origins of it are from paganism, and the Quran specifically prohibits uh, paganism. In 572, it reads, Pagans indeed are those who say that God is the Messiah, son of Mary. The Messiah himself said, O children of Israel, you shall worship God, my Lord and your Lord. Anyone who sets up idols beside God, God has forbidden paradise for him, and his destiny is hell. The wicked have no helpers. And 573, the following verse, says, Pagans indeed are those who say that God is a third of a trinity. There is no God except the one God, unless they refrain from saying this. Those who disbelieve among them will incur a painful retribution. And um, I could go on to why, you know, the origins of uh, Christmas is uh, from pagan uh, origins, but actually a better example of this and someone who has more credibility, obviously, among uh, Christians is uh, Pat Robertson. So I'm going to play a clip right now from uh, an interview with uh, Pat Robertson where someone poses the question about celebrating Christmas and its origins, and uh, we'll let Pat Robertson <laughs> give the uh, uh, the history there. Um, I think it's going to get less of a pushback, you know, from someone who's within the, uh, the Christian uh, community to make that claim. So without further ado, here's the clip from the interview with Pat Robertson. David, who says, we have friends who do not celebrate Christmas because they say December 25th is really a pagan holiday. While I agree that Jesus may not have been born on December 25th, he certainly was born as described in the Bible. How do I respond to them? Well, in a sense, tell them they're right. Uh, you see, the, the, the winter solstice a couple of days later was the shortest day of the year. And the pagans had something called Saturnalia. And it was a time of lawlessness because all the laws were suspended. And people, the, a bunch of singers were actually wandered the streets naked singing. And, and then they had orgies, sexual orgies. It was a mass thing. Well, when the Catholic Church came along in Italy, the, the Romans and others didn't want to give up their holidays. So they said, okay, we'll Christianize it. And uh, so they said, okay, we'll say the birth of Jesus was the 25th of December. They, and then there was a, a monk who began to add it up. You see, uh, if you read in Luke, it, it says there's a census taken when Quirinius was governor and so forth and so on. And uh, they, they could take those leaders and figure the exact time dating from the foundation of Rome. And that's when the dates were established. And so they get pretty close to the date. 
But uh, to say it's the 25th shepherds are out of body in the field, it gets a little cold at night. I mean, were they out there in the middle of winter? Uh, you know, I don't know. I've been out there on the shepherd's field and on Christmas Eve. It's very nice. But it's cold. And nevertheless, I mean, what was going on? So all this business about mistletoe, pagan. Christmas trees, pagan. Giving out gifts, pagan. Every bit of it is pagan. Every single bit of it is pagan. We've Christianized it all. And uh, so that's good. And so we have time. We celebrate for Jesus. Everybody gets all misty-eyed. But the truth is, we, they're all pagan. <laughs> but the so birth the of Jesus. But the intent of the heart is what it's about. Exactly. Yeah. So we have Christianized all these things. We give gifts in the name of Jesus. We celebrate his birthday. And um, it's a nice thing. And so, so hopefully you enjoyed that clip. And uh, it's going to stop people from responding that, hey, I'm a bias here, and uh, this is just a propaganda, you know, came from uh, one of their own, uh, Pat Robertson. And um, because of this, you know, uh, I don't celebrate Christmas, uh, my family doesn't celebrate Christmas, and it wasn't much of a topic of conversation until we had our daughter, um, who just started uh, preschool recently. And at school, she was finally uh, exposed to the uh, celebrations and kind of the festivities around Christmas. And she saw all the excitement the other kids were having uh, celebrating. And um, she wanted to celebrate naturally. And we explained to her that, you know, Christmas is something we don't participate in. And she accepted that. But still, you could see that she felt left out. Uh, She sees the other kids uh, singing the songs, uh, participating in the, uh, the activities, uh, the buildup, the excitement um, all around Christmas, which obviously it's it's a false pretense, but you respect the fact that, hey, you know, you don't want her to feel left out. So we had this predicament and the thought was, do we, one, you know, not celebrate Christmas and just kind of like take her away from school uh, for those couple weeks and then uh, bring her back? Um, or, you know, uh, do we break God's commandment, which wasn't going to be an option? And we talked with her teacher, and she brought up a good point. She says, look, you know, you can take her out of school. We can try to uh, teach her other stuff. But the reality is she's going to be exposed to this eventually. And to think that we can shelter her from this uh, is just kind of, it's um, naive. And we have to be upfront with her. We have to uh, let her know, you know, the reasons we don't celebrate, why we don't celebrate. And also, one of the things we were thinking is, you know, what can we do in its place? And we don't want to make up, you know, kind of a holiday just for the sake of uh, having a holiday. And we contemplated, okay, we could celebrate New Year's, which we used to do in the past. Um, But one of the things that came up, and it's a real blessing, is during the exact same time period uh, is Hanukkah. And it seems weird to say, hey, we follow the Quran and we celebrate Hanukkah. Uh, But it makes sense. When you think about it, you know, the children of Israel are uh, uh, one of the, uh, the groups of believers that are the most widely cited in the Quran. Uh, God cites out of all the prophets, the one he cites the most is Moses. And when you look at the origins of the uh, Hanukkah, you realize this is founded on righteousness, on the freedom of religion, uh, the uh, the belief of monotheism. And I'm going to play a clip showing here uh, what the, uh, the the background is of Hanukkah, and then we'll we'll, we'll spend a minute and talk about it. Hi, this is Peter Jacobson. I'll be reading the story of Hanukkah, adapted by Jeremy Frank. Long ago in the land of Israel, in the center of the walled city of Jerusalem, there stood a beautiful temple. Outside of Israel, though, there lived a very wicked man named Antiochus, the king of Syria. 
the king did not like people who had beliefs different than his own, and so he went around the world forcing his religion on all the people he conquered. When Antiochus and his army invaded Israel and took it over, he decreed that only his gods could be worshipped. He made the Jews swear that they would give up their religion and customs and follow his instead. He also commanded that all of the Jewish temples be converted or destroyed, including the beautiful one in Jerusalem. Those who refused to follow Antiochus' commands were to be severely punished. Some Jews obeyed Antiochus out of fear, but others were brave enough to refuse. Judah Maccabee was one such man. Judah and his brothers were all strong fighters who formed an army of their own to fight King Antiochus and his men. Although they were greatly outnumbered, the Maccabees fought the Syrian army with all their might. With the strength that only comes from fighting for something you truly believe in, Judah and the Maccabees defeated Antiochus and his army and triumphantly reclaimed the temple in Jerusalem. However, when they entered the temple for the first time, they were shocked to see it in shambles. The golden pitchers were all tarnished, the marble floors were cracked, and there was no oil to light the menorah. They began cleaning the temple, removing every sign and symbol of the religion that had been forced upon them by their invaders. As they worked, they found a small container of oil. They all knew the little oil they had would only be enough for one night, but then a miracle took place. Instead of going out, the lamps kept burning and burning. They burned for eight days and eight nights, and this way the Maccabees knew God was with them. That is why we celebrate Hanukkah every year, and why we light eight candles in our menorahs. The end. So I think, uh, you know, it's a uh, kind of a, a nice narrative of what Hanukkah's uh, foundation is, and um, it doesn't say in the video, but it was around 160 BC. So this is something that was uh, started, um, you know, o over uh, <laughs> 2,000 years ago, and it's founded on the same principle. You know, you have the Maccabees who are fighting on the side of religious freedom to worship God freely uh, as monotheists against uh, Antiochus the uh, Fourth, who wanted to force his people uh, that he uh, conquered uh, to worship his religion. Uh, to basically take the freedom of religion away from them, uh, you know, uh, ban them from being able to worship God alone. And this is a premise in the Quran, uh, this aspect of freedom of religion to worship God freely, uh, that's highly advocated in the Quran. In chapter 2, verse 256, it reads, There shall be no compulsion in religion. The right way is now distinct from the wrong way. Anyone who denounces the devil and believes in God has grasped the strongest bond, one that never breaks. God is here omniscient. In chapter 10, verse 99, it says, Had your Lord willed, all the people on earth would have believed. Do you want to force the people to become believers? And in 49, 13, it reads, O people, we created you from the same male and female and rendered you distinct peoples and tribes that you may recognize one another. The best among you in the sight of God is the most righteous. God is omniscient, cognizant. And you see repeatedly, you know, God doesn't want to force people to believe. The purpose of being in this world is so we can choose freely if we want to worship God alone or not. Do we want to worship, you know, uh, a human being, another entity, or no God? It's completely up to us. And to take that that um, that right away from people is completely against the Quran. And um, you know, it might be strange for some to hear that, hey, you know, I'm a submitter, I uh, follow the Quran, and yet, you know, I celebrate Hanukkah, but. It's just awesome to think like, hey, we're celebrating a victory of believers, irrespective of the name of their faith, right? Um, to, to say, hey, we can't basically celebrate because, oh, this is a uh, Jewish practice is absurd. 
because, you know, in the Quran, it repeatedly talks about the history of the children of Israel, uh, about Jacob, about Joseph, um, and all those, you know, that came after him that were uh, part of the children of Israel's lineage. In uh, 2.47 and 2.122, it reads, O children of Israel, remember my favor which I bestowed upon you, and that I blessed you more than any other people. Um, and God is constantly, it's funny, the, the Quran is constantly reaching out to the children of Israel. And it's a great opportunity to uh, allow them to be able to see that, hey, the Quran isn't just for you know Arabs because it's written in Arabic. Uh, it's a message to the entire world, uh, be it Jews, Christians, uh, Muslims, uh, Zoroastrians, uh, Hindus, anyone of any faith. And um, we see in the uh, introduction of the, uh, the Quran, uh, written by uh, Rashad Khalifa, um, where he's talking about unity among all believers. Uh, and I'm going to pull that up right here. It says, as expected from the Creator's final message, one of the prominent themes in the Quran is the call for unity among all the believers and the repeated prohibition of making any distinction among God's messengers. If the object of worship is one and the same, there will be absolute unity among all the believers. It is the human factor. For example, devotion and prejudice to such powerless humans as Jesus, Muhammad, and the saints that causes division, hatred, and bitter wars among the misguided believers. A guided believer is devoted to God alone and rejoices in seeing any other believer who is devoted to God alone regardless of the name of such a believer calls his or her religion. And chapter 2, verse 62 and 569, it reads, Surely those who believe, those who are Jewish, the Christians, the converts, anyone who, one, believes in God, two, believes in the last day, and three, leads a righteous life, will receive their recompense from their Lord. They have nothing to fear, nor will they grieve. And we should be rejoicing the fact that there's other groups of people who are devoted monotheists, uh, worshiping God alone, that they have a holiday that, um, you know, is uh, advocating uh, righteousness. Um, and it's something that, you know, isn't limited to uh, a certain group of people. It's limited to those who are believers, uh, those who are, you know, devoted to God alone. And um, this aspect of culture, you know, culture is not something we are born with. It's not like a, a genetics, right? You know, we can't choose the land we're born or the parents uh, who uh, we're born to or what we look like, but we can choose the decisions we make and the principles we stand by. You know, and Hanukkah is founded on this beautiful premise uh, that promotes monotheism, the relig uh, freedom of religion, and as followers of the Quran is something that I wholeheartedly adopt as a celebration to have God willing with my family this year and for years to come. And um, it's something that I'm not advocating everyone do this, but it's up to you. It's something you have to think about. You know, what prejudices do you have that's stopping you from being able to, you know, do things that uh, make God happy, uh, to uh, to glorify God, to f give uh, thanks to God for the freedoms we have, to be able to worship God freely. In 548, it reads, Then we reveal to you this scripture truthfully, confirming previous scriptures and superseding them. You shall rule among them in accordance with God's revelations, and do not follow the wishes that they defer from the truth that came to you. For each of you we have decreed laws and different rights. Had God willed, he could have made you one congregation, but he thus puts you to the test through the revelations he has given each of you. You shall compete in righteousness to God as your final destiny, all of you. Then he will inform you of everything you had disputed. And, um, you know, God willing, we'll all be appreciative of the freedoms we have to worship God freely. And um, if you guys got any comments or questions, feel free to hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com or on Twitter at TalkQuran. And until next time, peace. Assalamu alaikum and happy Hanukkah.